Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Hey! Bring us in, Keith. Aaron Rodgers down PCH, headed to Thousand Oaks to practice for the Rams. That'd be great to see. Never happened, but it'd be great to see. Down the Pacific Coast Highway, let's go 3,000 miles in the other direction to talk about a team that could only wish to have somebody like Aaron Rodgers or to go to back-to-back conference championship games or win back-to-back 13 regular season wins. That, of course, is the New York Jets as we transition from Green Bay to gangrene. It's Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear hotline. That includes the one and only Mel Kuyper Jr., who will be here at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. He has just released, just seconds ago, His mock draft, 1.0, available right now. All roads leading to the NFL draft, April 29th. In Cleveland, you can get it right now, ESPN.com, ESPN Plus, his mock draft, 1.0. Key, many people say the draft doesn't begin at 1, even though it's mock draft 1.0, because everybody is assuming Trevor Lawrence to the Jags, but we'll see. What's interesting is the Jets have the second pick, and again, Mel will be here at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. He has said, Alabama, do everything stud, Devontae Smith, at number 2, to the Jets as a wide receiver, a wide receiver that played for the Jets, how do you see it? You know, it, it'd be great for the young man to go at number two overall, but I don't see it happening uh, just because the Jets have other holes that they need to address other than the receiver at number two. And, and when you look at draft picks at the receiver position, no matter how dynamic you are in college, they start taking the measurables when you start to get that high. I mean, he's the best college receiver I've ever seen, mm-hmm. better than me. So now, there you go. And so when you think about it, he's smaller than me. He's smaller than Megatron. He's smaller than Julio Jones. Big receivers are at a premium when you start talking top five pick. When you start getting into smaller statue-type players, they tend to go out of the top five because it's just, you know, the body type. And he has to land – in the right situation that understands how to use him like Steve Sarkeesian did at Alabama. They utilized him in so many different ways. He wasn't just standing out there like a cardboard cutout <laughs> waiting for the football to come. They motioned him across the formations. They zigzagged him across the formations. They put him in the flat. They matched him up on linebackers in safeties. They got him going. Everything what he was doing was on the moving, 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 moving. Nothing was a 18-yard curl back curl back down to 16. Those were not his routes. And so when you look at receivers going high, those are the type of receivers, again, big 6'4", 6'3", 220-pound type receivers. He's more of a dynamic specialist that you need to know what to do with. As great as Tyreek Hill is right now in the NFL, mm-hmm. Think about it. Not because it's off the field things. It's just that his size is what dropped him in the NFL draft. And so you just you have to you have to understand that, that once they get eyeballs on him, they're going to scrutinize Devontae Smith's size. Most dynamic receiver I've seen in college football. And I've seen a bunch of them. SC, we done had a whole bunch of them. Clemson, a whole bunch of them. Alabama, Michigan. You t- we could go around and around, and it's just at number two is a little high for that style receiver. Key, I was going to say, you know, when you 
first off, we're not even sure the Jets are actually going to have that pick depending upon what they decide to do with Sam Darnold, right? But if you do stay with Sam Darnold, don't you want somebody to protect Sam Darnold considering how many times he got sacked this year? And I know you're always looking for offensive weapons to that degree, but doesn't a guy like, if you're going to keep the second pick, doesn't a guy like Penny Sewell make the most sense for that particular situation to keep Sam Darnold protected and really sure up that offensive line? Well, if Penny Sewell is potentially, uh, as they like to say, a once-in-a-lifetime generational left tackle, he could be your Anthony Munoz, Orlando Pace. He could be one of those type of left tackles for sure. Now, is too, too high for him as well? I mean, you just it just all depends on what Joe Douglas in the Jets feel like they want to do at the number two spot. Um, but Penny Sewell in three years at Oregon – was ridiculous, or two years at Oregon, was ridiculous. Yeah, he was one of their best players, and that's amazing because, you know, at the offensive line, unless you're into pancake blocks, you really can't quantify it, but you just look at him. And as Key said, Mel Kuyper Jr., who again is going to join us at 8.30 a.m. Eastern, Mel has essentially said Penny Sewell, you may be hearing this name for the first time, once again, non-skilled position player. He said that this guy is every bit as good, as Key said, as the legendary Anthony Munoz and Walter Jones, who are two of the best tackles in the history of the National Football League before this guy even takes a snap. Jay mentioned it. Sam Darnold, is he going to be there? Is he not going to be there? Rich Cimini, our ESPN Jets reporter on Freddie and Fitzsimmons on ESPN Radio, said he got the number two pick, got to do your due diligence, but priority number one is? They should absolutely go after him and try to seriously go after him, not just dip their toes in the water, but use all this draft capital to try to get him uh, will they do it? I think for sure they'll be interested. I think it would be malpractice on the on Joe Douglas's part not to be interested. But will they get into a serious bidding war with another team? I'm a little skeptical on that, but I do think the Jets are going to be in this Deshaun Watson thing. What do you think? They should be. Rich mm-hmm. is right. They should go all in, man, and do what they need to do to try to figure it out within reason, right? I mean, he, he Deshaun is – Perfect situation, a quarterback in New York City. Uh, you know, somebody tried to tell me, I, I was talking, Jay Will, and somebody, I don't know, I was on one of our affiliates or something, and we were talking about this a, you know, a week or so ago, and they were trying to tell me that, you know, I was like, if Deshaun came to New York, can you imagine the type of rock star he would be mm. in New York City? I'm not even worried about his play because I know his play is going to be ridiculous, right? No matter what the cast of characters surrounding him with, he's still going to be amazing. And imagine what Madison Ave could do with a Deshaun Watson. And they were saying, well, he doesn't have to be in New York to woo Madison Ave. And I'm like, well, and they tried to give me the comparison to like a Peyton Manning being stuck in Indy but still hosting Saturday Night Live. I was say, I said to myself, I said, man, do you – I told him, I said, man, do you even understand what you just said? Like, it's not even – as far as comparing the two, they both play quarterbacks, but we are talking about Peyton Manning, who is the face of the National Football League, where Deshaun has yet to become the face of the National Football League because essentially right now that's Patrick Mahomes. If he comes to New York and he plays well, he now will be sharing – that mantle with Patrick Mahomes. Now you got two guys of color that become the face of the National Football League at the quarterback position. It'd be big. It'd be huge, man. 
Key, put yourself in a, in a position for Deshaun Watson, knowing his personality, knowing that he's you know from Georgia, uh, Gainesville. Do you think what what's more attractive for him, knowing you knowing his personality? Is it more a New York Jet situation or is it more a Miami Dolphins situation? Uh, it's both. Or well, here's what I would say: they both would be appealing, and I think Deshaun is going to look at the construction of the team and the roster as he makes a decision if he wants out of Houston. Um, he's going to be very methodical, intelligent in making he, – he, and I'll say this on our show, he's the most intelligent quarterback in the National Football League. It's not even close. I don't care about – no. he is the most intelligent quarterback in the National Football League. And he will make an intelligent decision. He is not going to make a rush decision. Yes, he's frustrated, and he may have sent out cryptic tweets, but he hasn't done anything since then, right? He hasn't said anything publicly about it. He, in fact, went on his social media uh, about a week ago as they wanted to protest out in front of the stadium to tell him, no, nah, I, don't, I don't need y'all doing that because this COVID situation is more important than keeping me in Houston. Mm. Now, how, how smart is that? Now, get what I'm saying. Right. Priorities over pigskin here. Priorities over pigskin. The most intelligent quarterback in the National Football League. Just saying. Could be on and off the field. I know you're talking football IQ, but obviously some no, of those decisions. No, I'm talking about off the field and on the field. Yeah, right. Both. Both. I just want to quickly mention, we mentioned Penny Sewell. Sewell, right now, I'm going to give you a little bit of a nibble on Mel Kuyper's 1.0 mock draft. He's sitting at number five to the Cincinnati Bengals, but I implore you when you get an opportunity to go over to ESPN Plus where it's posted right now because Mel has the number two quarterback not as Justin Fields. He's got I was going to say, you must have ESPN Plus your phone there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. So Sewell, a top five pick. Jay makes the great point about maybe him there going to the Jets to protect Sam Darnold. But if you're thinking about the quarterbacks and Mel sizes up five, in the first round, if you're watching on television, you know the answer already. It's Zach Wilson to the Atlanta Falcons. But again, five first-round quarterbacks. Mel breaks down where all of them will go right now. ESPN Plus, he joins us at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. Mel will tell you that board going to change 18,758 million trillion times. They don't by call the it the big the board for comes. no reason, right? right? Too many moving parts, man. Yeah, Too many moving thing, parts, especially that, this year. That thing will be sliding and moving, and this guy will be moving, and that guy will be sliding. And teams that got first-round picks, by the time we get to April, won't even have first-round picks because they'll trade out of the first round guys that didn't have first round picks will move into the first round i mean it'll be all over the place indeed as for the moment jacksonville one jets two dolphins three falcons four cincinnati five that's your top five draft order all right order was restored last night in the nba lebron went back home to cleveland he scored 46 they win 115 108 he said he had an opportunity to see a family member and he had an opportunity to be inspired by another all-time great in a different sport. A reminder, Keyshawn J. Will Zubin coming to you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. Here's the king. Home cooking, you know. You got an opportunity to see your mom and get a home-cooked meal. Um, saw my uncle. Um, just felt good to be back in my, you know, in my, in my, my haven, my rest haven, you know, and that's being, you know, being home, so. You know, and also, you know, obviously, you know, you can inspire watching the greats play and, you know, seeing Brady, see the things that he did with that team. Um, that inspired me as well. But I just felt pretty good. I just felt pretty good. I mean, as I have the whole season, I've been getting better and better as each game goes on. And um 
felt good from the beginning and just try to keep it going. Mm. Indeed. 46 points, 115, 108. Dropped it on the head, Zubin. Yep. 21 in the fourth, Zubin. Wow. Drawing some inspiration from Tom Brady and Key to make it to the 1% like you and Jay did. Inspiration and reasoning can come from any place. No, it really it, it's, you know, it can. Um, when you think about it, you know, he, he mentioned Tom Brady and in, in inspiring him, not, not only to drop 46, but to play, continue to keep playing at their age and trying to win championships. For me, it was just simple, beat the odds. Get drafted, beat the odds. I did that. That was something that was done. I had beat the I wasn't chasing a yellow jacket. If I was chasing a yellow jacket, I would have played another five years just to get the numbers to be able to justify going into the Hall of Fame. But because I retired early, more so I left years out there because I had already beat the odds. My goal was to buy my mother a home, mm-hmm. to get my mother out of poverty. That was my goal. You know, so I can be like LeBron and say, I'm going home to get a home-cooked meal. Doesn't mean I'm going home because that's my house. Doesn't mean that I live there. It just means that I'm going home to that rest haven that I feel comfortable with, that surroundings, much like he did in Cleveland, and he scored 46 points. So it's always, what, what's your goals? What do you want to do? Where do you want to be in your career? And for me, it was just simple. I want to make it to the National Football League so I can buy my mother a home, one of the first things that professional athletes tend to do, especially when they're drafted high, they tend to buy their parents a house. Mm-hmm. You know, usually house for mom, car for dad. Right. I didn't have a dad, so I didn't need to buy a car. Gotcha. I gave it to my brother. So uh-huh. when, you, when you look at it, you say to yourself, what are you chasing in your career, Jay? Right? When you, what, mm. what, what fulfills you? Why are you still playing? And so when I got to the end of my career, I was like, I accomplished everything. What am I still to satisfy me? Not to satisfy Sports Center, but to satisfy me. I had won a Super Bowl. I had been an MVP in a real Pro Bowl. I had played in championship games. I had gone to Pro Bowls. I have g- gone over 10,000 receiving yards, you know, 100 catches in a season. I've done all that. So I was like, well, what, what is there left to do? I did exactly what I was supposed to do. Now, I'm going to go join Countdown and work for ESPN, another goal of mine. That was it. You know, it's always interesting. Yeah, fulfillment goes a – it's a variety of things to different people. And uh, it's funny how, you know, guys need motivation. You go through long year, long seasons, Key, you know, the grind. And, you know, last night was a prime example. I'm I'm sitting up there late watching the game, and it's going into the fourth quarter, and LeBron James misses a fadeaway uh, to close out the third. And there are a couple of players on the bench of the Cleveland Cavs that are getting up and are clapping. They're kind of like talking to LeBron, like, yeah, you missed that one. And I'm watching LeBron bark back at him. And now I know fans would say, why is LeBron James barking back at people? That's petty. He doesn't need to do that. But you have to find ways to get yourself motivated throughout each individual game because there are a lot of games, right? So then LeBron goes up for 21 points in the fourth quarter because that, that got him to where he needed to be. That's how my mind was always built. What are a series of motivational things that I can find throughout the course of my day that keep me inspired, to keep me hungry, to keep that flame burning, right? Because at the end of the day, uh, you're only chasing after yourself and, and what goals you want to set for you. But if you don't, you have to set what those targets are uh, in order to keep chasing after, in order to keep fueling that fire, Zubin. And that's the same thing with Terrific Tom, as a t- Tom Terrific, as I like to call him, uh, Whatever that goal is that he wants, 
to reach that 45 years old. That's a goal to continue to play till he's 45 and in the mix of playing till he's 45. I'm going to collect some more hardware along the way. I'm not going to just be a guy that's on the team because I, I got a uniform till I'm 45. I'm wearing the logo till I'm 45 years old. No, I'm actually out there kicking your ass till I'm 45. Yeah. And that's what he wants to do. And so that's his goal. So everybody's goals are extremely different. Again, you play, you know, because you, you enjoy the game. It's a fun game to play. But at the same time, there's fulfillment with the things that you have in your foresight that you want to get to and reach. Yeah, that's a very clear-eyed and macro approach. I would say two things. One about Brady, and then one thing everybody in the audience could, I think, relate to. With Brady, the guests this past week, the guys that have played with him, Benjamin Watson, Matt Castle, they all said Brady needs football. Football is like oxygen to Brady. He needs football, whereas Key just actually literally wanted to breathe, right? So that's kind of the dichotomy when you look at it. Now, here's the other thing I would say about leaving on your own terms. That's the big thing. I've always been amazed how much fans, guys that didn't play, what is Keyshawn's legacy in New York? If it's not that important to Keyshawn, why is it that important to me, right? <laughs> Michael Jordan is ruining his reputation by going to the Washington Wizards, and Jerry Rice was the fifth receiver on the Denver Broncos, <laughs> and he got cut. How could Jerry Rice do that to himself? And I'm thinking to myself, well, it's... actually, I don't mean to cut you off, but actually he made the Broncos. <laughs> But Jerry is a fifth receiver, right? I know, but he did make the team. He did. Yeah. Right? So I look at it and say, listen, if Michael's okay with it, if Jerry's okay with it, then why are we as fans so apoplectic and upset about it? There's because, something about you Because fans are always angry at because something. Because you live vicariously through us. I get it. We buy your jersey. I understand it. I respect it. I love it. That's why I treat fans with the utmost respect until they become you-know-what holes. <laughs> then I got to treat them as, as such. We already did one of those this morning. But <laughs> I didn't finish. I didn't give you all of it. I said, you know what? But that is how it is. Like Jay mentioned LeBron barking at the fans. I'm going to bark back at a fan too if I'm in a game and he's talking trash. That's cool. Ain't nothing wrong with it. We're not in physical confrontation. It's just a conversation that I'm having with you. Right. But fans will be fans. I don't. You know how many times I've been called a bust in my career? Countless, I would imagine. I can't even count. Won't you be the number one overall pick, go for damn near 11,000 yards and however many catches and win Super Bowls and do all of that and play with all the quarterbacks that I play with? I'm happy with that, though. But, Keith, you know how that goes. I'm content with that because, much like you said, Zubin, I left under my own power to be able to walk. Very liberating, right? I could, I, I, hey, man, I'm out. I'm done. I'm going to work for ESPN. I could have continued to play, but I fulfilled my dream and my promise. So why do I need to chase? I don't need to chase. When The longer you play, the more numbers you have. It takes away, it takes nothing away from those that play long. But we must understand. The longer you play, the more statistics you get. Mm-hmm. Let's not fool ourselves right. here. And we're more numbers obsessed than ever. So when you, so I stopped at 11 years with pretty good numbers. Had I played 15 years, I'd have ridiculous numbers. I didn't want to do that mm-hmm. to be chasing what? Another ring or a gold jacket just to be able to say, oh, I'm one of the great. No, when I played, I was one of the great ones. I'm not even worried about it. 
my 11 years that I stepped on the field, I wouldn't trade my career for nobody's in that 11 years. Last thing I'll tell you, it's whatever floats your boat. You might laugh at this story. Like I said, you guys have made uh, the amount of money that most hey, people hey, like sh- myself can't it, fathom. Man. Our listeners can't fathom. I mean, that's what it's like when you're at the very, very top. But it's just a matter of what it means to you and where your priorities are. I'll always remember this story. For many, many years, I covered the Denver Broncos Uh-oh. before I worked at ESPN. And Jake Plummer called a press conference one day at the Denver Athletic Club, kind of like a posh little club downtown. He walks up to the press conference in his shaggy beard. He was a good player in his time, great college player at Arizona State. And he simply said, I'm doing this here right now at the Denver Athletic Club because I'm retiring from the National Football League. Thank you for covering me. And now this is not a joke. I'm going to play doubles racquetball with my brother. (laughs) His passion in life was racquetball. So he basically just said, fellas, it's been real. Now it's time to put my goggles on and hit the racquetball court. And you know what Jake always says? I wake up every morning, and I have no aches and pains. I go running for three miles, and I don't feel a thing in my body. That's priceless. Man, absolutely, Jay. People thought I was crazy when I retired. I'm like, man, I'm not playing. no. I want to go do TV. I'm good. I want to go to television. Those practices get tougher and tougher as you get older, Key. You know, it wasn't even the practices. It was that to fulfill. I did everything. What am I chasing? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, what am I chasing? And make sure when you're chasing it, you're the one that's chasing it, not chasing someone else's dream. On the way, Mel Kuyper Jr. has unveiled it this morning. Mock draft 1.0. You know who's at number one. We ran through who's at number two. Where are the other quarterbacks? He's got five in the first round. Mel is next. Tuesday, Chris Collinsworth will be among my guests as we continue to examine the fallout from Championship Sunday and look ahead to the Super Bowl. That's with me, Greeny, starting 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. LeBron back in section in. Here comes the double team. Fall away. Good again! LeBron has 46 when he hits a fall away two-pointer from the right-hand side. And, Michael, this is as good of a performance by LeBron as a Laker as we've seen yet. 
That was John Ireland. The Michael is Michael Thompson. They witnessed it and called it on ESPN LA 710. LeBron with 46. He's got a little home cooking. Went to go see mom. Inspired by Tom Brady. Lakers over the Cavs. In his old home city, 115-108. LeBron's 46 made him the oldest Laker with a 40-point game since. Kobe, who had 60 in his final game. Jay's got an amazing memory of Kobe. He'll share with us at 8.45 a.m. Eastern time. A couple more NBA notes. Nets over the Heat, little uh, 27 run to end it after the game was knotted at 85 and Brooklyn wins. Kevin Durant has scored 20 in 14 straight games, at least 20 in 14 straight as they roll on over the defending Eastern Conference champions and the NBA will roll on to the All-Star game. They've got some specifics. You probably know the second half of the season is totally in flux at this point. We should have some more clarity here in a little bit. March 7th, All-Star game possibly in Atlanta. The NBA's midseason break would be March 5th to 10th. It's about a month later than it normally would start. No surprise, the season started about a month and a half or so, two months normally after it does. The NBA has postponed 22 games this year. The Grizzlies were out for a long stretch. Washington at one point didn't play a game for a couple weeks. It's been crazy. They've been so lauded for the way they handle the coronavirus but this time it's coming back to Biden. Sports Center presented by Progressive Insurance, offering coverage options as unique as your business. Progressive covers companies of many sizes and specialties. Learn more at progressivecommercial.com. No small thing. Key called him the greatest college wide receiver he's seen. Our next guest has been grading college wide receivers in every other position. For basically the last 40 years, it is the one and only Mel Kuyper Jr., and he joins us this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Mel, I got one quick question for you, then I want to go really quickly ask you about all-time wideouts. Sure. We're not sure that the um, combine is going to happen. I think I remember asking you this years ago, and when I knew you were going to come on the show, it just popped into my mind. For a guy that is as deep into the draft as you are, as identified with this as anybody walking on planet Earth, You've never been to the Combine. Is that correct? No, no, I've been to the Combine. We started doing it a few years ago, and then I would go and we cover it for ESPN. Yeah, so the last couple years this year will not be the Combine in Indianapolis, but prior to that, uh, you always get the results. Uh, of all the numbers. So you're going to get all the combine information. You're not allowed to be in for the interviews anyway. You get the medical later on. So uh, it really, to even be there, it was good to be there. I enjoyed it, but could I have got more done being back looking at all these juniors coming out? So I was getting all the tape evaluations done of the underclassmen, getting the results anyway. So while, even while I was there, I was still trying to do some things looking at players. So yeah, it was, it was, it was nice to be there. Did I learn anything that I wouldn't have learned just getting the results? No. Fascinating. So you spent maybe 30 plus years not going. You go there and validate the reason for not going. I got to ask you this here. The highest grades you've ever given at the wide receiver position. It's rare to see a wide receiver go at number two right now on your mock draft 1.0, which you can read right now on ESPN. Plus, you've got Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, going at two to the Jets. For purposes of context, just open it up and tell us what the highest graded wide receivers we've seen so we can kind of understand where Smith falls in the pantheon. Well, Key was right there. Uh, you know, Keyshawn was right there on the cover of the book when he came out. So you go back to Keyshawn Johnson and others have been others. But as far as where Devontae Smith is right now and Jamar Chase, and let's not forget how good Jamar Chase was 
two years ago with Joe Burrow. So this is a discussion that is going to roll on who the best receiver is. I'm going slightly with Devontae Smith over Jamar Chase. Devontae played great. Jamar didn't have a chance to play this year, opted out. But if you go back and look at the games from the 2019 season, Jamar Chase was spectacular. And Jalen Waddell, the teammate of Devontae Smith, who had the ankle injury October 24th and came back for the national championship game, and actually had an impact despite limping around coming back from the ankle. Jalen Waddle's right there. So these, these are three phenomenal players. That's why I have all these guys going in the top six. One at two, one at three, then Jalen at six. Mel, when you, since you've been covering the draft, typically, as I was telling the guys earlier, when you get into the top five of the draft at our, our position, the receiver position, Right. You're typically big guys, right? Me, 6'4", Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, big body. A.J. Green, yep. A.J. Green, just big guys. These receivers mm-hmm. are on the smaller side. How rare is that for them to go in the top five? Well, I think certainly for Chase. Now, Chase is the bigger one. You know, he's yes. 6'1", over 200. I think you look at Devontae. I call him the splendid splinter two key. Uh, he is spectacular. <laughs> uh, just the way he goes about his business. Uh, he always has draws those comparisons to Marvin Harrison. I get that. I started that a long time ago. People kind of jumped on the Marvin Harrison comp there. But uh, Jalen Waddle is a special entity as well. And you look around the NFL. It doesn't matter size-wise now what you're doing with it being a space game and a different game that it has been over the years. It's evolved into this. And these receivers are are flourishing right away. That's one thing I noticed when you look at receivers. It used to be a process to learn the routes and adjust to being up against great corners where you're not in college. Now the high school game, the college game has all been just like the NFL, really ahead of the curve for what the NFL is. They kind of brought this play to the NFL and all these receivers are now coming in and from day one are looking like they've been in the league for five years. Go back and look at last year's draft, first, second, third round, and all those guys had such an impact right away. They didn't look like rookies. They looked like some of those guys were underclass, but they look like they've been in the league for four, five, six years. So it's a different ball game entirely right now, the way these receivers are transitioning so quickly to the NFL. How important is it, Mel, for them to not only land in the right system, but also land with the right yeah. quarterback? Because if they don't, you know how it goes, bye-bye sooner or later. Yeah, and I think when you look at Sam Darnold, he didn't have the weapons. Now, Denzel Mims is an emerging former second-rounder out of Baylor. Now you add Devontae Smith. Sam Darnold's a quarterback. Remember that final year at USCK? He didn't have the great talent around him. He had lost a lot of key players. We pointed that out. August prior to that final campaign for Sam. Don't expect the numbers to be equal to what they were. They were going to be down a little bit. So I think you have to be realistic in how you look at these quarterbacks in college based on who was there. And I certainly now with Sam, if you bring in Devontae, you have two at Miami, you bring in Jamar Chase, and then you think about Jalen Waddle and where he can end up with the Philadelphia Eagles helping out Carson Wentz. So I think all these guys, if in fact Darnold remains with the Jets as their quarterback and two in Miami, that whole Deshaun Watson talk is going to impact somebody. You know, who And whether the Jets want to maybe move on from Darnold and draft their own quarterback, I wouldn't do that. Darnold has a higher grade for what I had coming out of Darnold than what Wilson and Fields will have. So I would stick with Sam Darnold from the Jets, but I get the Deshaun Watson talk. That's really intriguing. That's something that I would do if it's, if it's possible. If you're the Jets or Miami, I would do that and move on from my young quarterbacks. That's the only quarterback out there that would force me to go a different direction than what I already have with the Jets in Miami. Mel, what chances do you actually give the Jets of making the second pick? You know, I, uh, I think when you look at the Jets, the Deshaun Watson talk, 
for Miami or the Jets, if you can make that move and give up that some of that draft capital and get a franchise, defined franchise quarterback, not one who may be, but one who already is, and you're in a division with Josh Allen, that for Miami or the Jets would make a lot of sense. And obviously Deshaun is better than Sam Darnold. So I get the reason why the Jets, I don't certainly understand why Miami would do that. I would do that. But if you can't, if, you're not, if Deshaun Watson remains in Houston or goes somewhere else, if I'm the Jets, I'm sticking with Sam Darnold. I'm not drafting Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. And certainly if I'm Miami at three, I'm sticking with Tua. And I'm drafting a receiver to help that quarterback out. Because Tua's grade and Darnold's grade will be higher than what Zach's and Justin's is. So that's what you really have to go by. It's all you can go by when these kids come out. Compare their grades then to what these kids are now. And there's no reason to get off Sam Darnold and say, we're going to move away. Why? He'd had nothing with the Jets to work with. And he has showed flashes of t- at times of being a really good quarterback in this league. All right, Mel, let's get into some of the grades. Let's get into the juicy stuff. With the way quarterbacks are valued now, where sure. would Brady be drafted if he was coming out with that grade in 2021? I hate that question. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> question, it's, Mel. It's, Come it's, on. It's, so, it, it's a horrible question. Never ask that again, <laughs> by the way. Uh, you, you, just, you just don't know. I mean, you can't, you can't take somebody who was a – like Johnny Unitas went in the ninth round in the 50s. Tom Brady went the end of the sixth round. New England took a, a, a their regular pick when a cornerback from Virginia. That was a compensatory pick where Brady was taken at the end of the sixth round. So again, you know that was then. This is now. I made a p- point when I graded him out as a fourth or fifth rounder in the book that he played his best in the biggest games. Tom did, and look at what happened now. That's why he's six and three in Super Bowls, maybe seven and three at worst, six and four. So I think uh, and for Mahomes, this is a big game because you want to get to two and keep Tom at six wins. You don't want Tom to get to seven and you be at one. And that all-sides penalty cost Mahomes a shot a couple years ago. So if Patrick's going to catch Tom, this is a pivotal game to get the W in. But for Brady to put him in this draft to talk about where he would be, you just can't do it. It's really impossible to go back and do revisionist history, which we all try to do at some point in time. I just don't like revisionist history on quarterbacks. See, I'd have been, undrafted. I'd have been an undrafted free agent if that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> and we should also point out, as Mel said, look, the short-term goal back then was just trying to beat out Drew Henson. That was actually the top of the priority list, and now mm-hmm. it's trying to win hey, his seventh alone, Super Bowl. Man. He played with him in Dallas. The Don't kill the messenger, Mel. Don't kill the messenger, buddy. And last quick thing I would quickly <laughs> add. Hey, I can talk about that all the time. I ask questions on the Darian Mel show, and people say, what the heck's wrong with you? Hey, uh, but no, that's a fair question. It's just not a good question. How's that? Fair enough. Darian Mel, Saturdays on ESPN uh, Radio from right. 10 to 1. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mel, of course, part of the first draft podcast with Todd McShay and Field Yates. New episodes come out every Tuesday, so look for the newest one today. And we should also be remiss. We would be remiss if we didn't mention the Senior Bowl is actually literally going on in Mobile and some of the biggest stars of college football of 2020 are there. It's their first step to trying to get drafted as well. The Senior Bowl, the Combine, maybe no Combine, leading to the draft April 29th. Mel, thank you very much. I have a feeling we'll have you back after 2.0 drops. Thank you. Thanks, Mel. Anytime. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, man. Once again, 1.0 is on ESPN Plus right that's That's what's so interesting about as Mel and Todd continues to build their draft boards. Yeah. Over weeks, you'll start to see in months, these things change. Yeah, and you'll see some of the biggest stars, Kyle Trask, Ellinger, you know, um, Kellen Mond, all these guys we've seen in college football, they are at the Senior Bowl. As we speak, on the way, we continue to remember the legacy of Kobe Bryant with a Jay Williams story. You think you're working hard? Wait till you see how hard Kobe was working with Jay, seeing it firsthand. Celebrating the life of Kobe Bryant. 
for a lot of players who grew up idolizing him, peers who he played against. I think Kobe transcended the Lakers in the NBA. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Bring the life and the legacy of Kobe Bryant. A couple of programming notes. I know everybody's very busy today, but if you're a sports fan, I think you're going to stop and pause and remember where you were and probably will always remember where you were when the news came down. Today on the ESPN Daily Podcast, hosted by Pablo Astori, the big Spaniard, Pal Gasol. That's what affectionately Kobe called him. He'll sit down with Pablo. And today on the jump at 2 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, Rachel Nichols and the gang with a 2 our special about Kobe Bryant. So if you're near the television to Eastern ESPN, anywhere you go with the podcast downloaded on the phone as you're moving around, Pal Gasol with his memories of Kobe. Two quick things before Jay gives us a great memory and Key gives us a this is Sports Center perspective on Kobe. Number one, the measure of a man. When Kobe Bryant had died, he was out of the NBA for about five or six years. And for many people in today's society, if you're not in the media or you're not front and center, or you're not doing something specifically to do with basketball, people don't remember you that much anymore. Time flies real fast. Kobe Bryant was as relevant five to six years after he retired as the day he was playing and scoring 60 points. Extreme rarity in life. We move on very, 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 it's always what's next, what's next. You know, we see Kevin Durant arguing with Barkley, the old head, the this, the that. Six (laughs) years after he walked away from the game, he was as relevant as he's ever been. That's the mark of a man. The second thing I would say, our old colleague Dan Patrick had him on the show, and I just want to mention this quick story of all the hardware that he had won over the course of his career. Dan said to him, if I walked into your house and you can only have one piece of hardware on the, on the mantle, what would you choose? And you know what Kobe said? Kobe said, my Academy Award, right? So many people talk about their life being wrapped up in basketball and all of that. It's all about hoops and this is who I am. This is my DNA. This is what I'm all about. It was his post-basketball life that was just as successful as his basketball life. And no better indication that when he won his love basketball short for the Oscar That's the one thing he would want up, not all of his NBA accolades. Tells you how very diverse, smart, brilliant he was in both aspects of his life. Jay, you've got a personal anecdote about the hardest working guy maybe in NBA history. Yeah, there have been a couple of times in my life where Kobe has slightly shifted uh, my path. And one was during my rookie year when, you know how it is, Key. Uh, My rookie year, I was in a bad team. Uh, There were a lot of nights out, a lot of times hanging out where basketball doesn't become the priority like it should be. And we were about to play the Lakers, got there to L.A., and this was the championship Lakers, you know, Shaq, Kobe, uh, that team with Derek Fisher and company. And I kind of found this rejuvenation 
of I got to get back in the gym. I got to start getting my made shots up before games, like really early, not just, you know, an hour or two before the game. I'm talking about like five or six hours before the game. So I find myself in the Staples Center uh, with two managers who are going to be doing rebounding for me. And I'm walking out onto the court and I'm sitting there lacing up my shoes. And I look down at the other end and I see Kobe Bryant working out. And I'm sitting there watching you know, for a minute, kind of mesmerized by how he's working out. Game speed moves, fadeaways, the shots that I see him take in games. And I'm like, all right, you know, snap to 10 minutes or so, snap out of it. Time to get my work in and work out for an hour. After I'm done working out for an hour and I get my shots up, I sit down in that same seat. And now I'm unlacing my shoes and I'm watching Kobe still work out at the same speed he was working out when I first walked through the damn door. And I'm like, man, this dude is this dude is going. Like he's still going. Like there's no way this guy is going to be able to sustain. We got a game like in three and a half, four hours, you know. I and I walk off the court, go back in the locker room, get ready for the game. It felt like he had 40 on the second game. I think he only had like 25 or 26. But it was the way he got those points, Key. It was the precision. It was the way he attacked on the court. And all those moves I saw him do in the game were moves that I saw him do in that workout session at the same speed, with the same veracity. And after the game, I found myself going over to him, just kind of asking, you know, curious, right? Because this is Kobe. This is a guy that had said a couple of times he would have played for Duke. There's obviously a little connection there with Coach K. It's a guy that I looked up to, and I'm curious. I want to pick his brain the same way I, I try to pick Jordan's brain um, about what made him so special. I'm like, hey, Kobe, after the game, why, why were you working out that way? You know, what went into that? And it's funny, we talk about, you know, what kind of measures of motivation do you find throughout any given moment throughout the course of the, your day that pushes you to be better? He literally looked at me and said, because I saw you walk in the gym and I wanted you to know that no matter how hard you worked, you weren't going to outwork me. And it's something that just always sits with me because people put time into their craft to master it. And it doesn't matter what pushes you to get to that extra oomph to take you to another level. You use everything you have around you in your life to continue to push you to be the best at what you want to be the best at. And that example of what Kobe gave me that day was something that I use for the rest of my life. Because that day, I happened to be a small piece of the fabric that helped him push over that block. And that's what he uses. That's what he used. Whether it was an Academy Award or whether it was him winning an NBA championship or finals MVP or regular season MVP, he used everything around him in order to push him to be better. And just past the top of the hour, Keyshawn's got a great memory. He actually shot an iconic This Is Sports Center commercial with Kobe Bryant. We're going to talk about that just after 9 a.m. Eastern. It's an amazing story. We're running these This Is Sports Center specials. You may have actually seen it. Key will take you behind the scenes coming up just after 9 a.m. Eastern. In our final minute, what uh, Jay said there, pretty poignant, right? Oh, yeah. Nobody gets there without hard work. You personified oh, yeah. hard work. Kobe to. is the definition of it. You, you, you have to. And, and so I'm listening to Jay talk. Early on in my career, I had that same mentality, you know, that you are not going to outwork me. I'm a work, work, work. There's no question about it. And we all, as professional athletes, we think that way. Some work out better than others, though. Mm. Yes. And I would tell you, remember, Kobe died between the AFC title games and the Super Bowl. It was the first weekend in several weeks. People weren't gathered around the TV. They were in disparate spots all over the country. So people were finding out in all different ways. Amazing. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests on the Goodyear Hotline, Key Sports Center commercial, and What's Up with Rogers. All next. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. 
Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.